alongside Travel Trade. In this episode, we're going to be deep diving and discussing the role and rise of the experience economy and education experiences in 2021. Um, and over to Emma, who's going to talk a little bit about the wonderful guests we have on the show today. Oh, lovely. For this, we've invited experts in the field and have on the line with us Anna Arak, who's a good pal and has 25 years of experience in tourism. And she used lockdown to start up a brand new experience company called Imagine Experiences. And we also have Tom Sanderson with us, who is founder of a school trip community, helping teachers plan school trips and helping venues to share their educational value, uh, which I think from a personal perspective, I've done that before and it's, you get overwhelming responses. So both Anna and Tom are very well qualified guests to discuss experiences and education within the travel trade. Absolutely. And despite this turmoil year, we're seeing a rise of startups, <clears throat> freelancing and creativity in the sector, which is wonderful to see. Um, and our very own Emma Jane um, is an example in founding That's the Ticket and one of the many others um, of this beautiful trend, um, including Imagine Experiences co-founded by Anna Arak and Brendan Murphy. So starting with you, Anna. What made you feel confident enough to start a brand new tourism company during a pandemic when so many others have been closing their doors permanently? I guess the most important thing that lockdown and COVID-19 gave us was something we never had before and it's called time. Um, we realised that we could be, uh, for those that know me very well, I could have been drinking the whole lockdown, which is totally, totally a possibility. Um, I set up myself to lose weight and improve my Mandarin. Wow. Just did not happen. Um, after the fourth barbecue, I think, and uh, uh, we were watching a webinar from the arrival community, um, that you know, arrival, you know, the Association of Tools and Experiences, and... Uh, a very intelligent gentleman that I, I had a great deal of respect for called Peter Syme, who deals, uh, who manages experiences in Scotland and a very adventurous thing said that the era of, uh, of the big groups and uh, the dictatorial um, uh, features in which a guy who tell a, a visitor, uh, a locker, whoever it is, that's the way it is and give a, le a history lesson uh, are over. Now people want to be the heroes of their own story. So what I do believe is that COVID-19 just fast track uh, uh, um, a trend that was already there, uh, customizing experiences. And I'm going to be very, very, very uh, uh, strong, not using the word immersive because immersive seems that, you know, you, it almost is technology and digital. It isn't about that. It's about people people eating or feeling or doing or getting engaged with emotions and memories. Uh, we thought it was the right time. We got our time. We we working on projects. We, it was immense amount of talent out there being furloughed or, or not using guides, ideas. Um, we had the beautiful, amazing uh, city of London to work with. Who, who wouldn't work with such a product? Uh, and we just decided to, to do it. It's just about the right time. And you know what? No regrets. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Anna. I think from my perspective too, it's, it's been time. And like you say, saving talent that's now in the market to keep people working within the industry. Yeah. 
couldn't agree more. Tom, do you, have you found the time, time beneficial for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all went through that weird spot in March, wasn't it? Yeah, the first lockdown. And we thought, oh, yeah, like I said, I, I'll lose loads of weight. I'll do exercise every day. I'll do yoga. I'll do the Joe Wicks uh, YouTube thing every morning. <laughs> I did that as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you just don't. I mean, we did, I think, for a week. and um, But the time since then has been so valuable. And with kind of the ideas, creativity, the space to move forward. And like you said, Anna, I think there are a lot of trends that were happening over the years, like things like uh, becoming more personal in your own stories over, I know, immersive is kind of that dirty word, as you said, but kind of immersive kind of experiences. But it's been just absolutely propelled because everyone wants something new. They want to experience something after a year that, let's face it, they've experienced nothing. Yeah, exactly. We're all absolutely craving it was, it was incredible how people build those memories, create them on social media as they live and share with the loved ones. Uh, um, most important, um, you know, I always said that we had all those three kinds. We had the beautiful baby boomers that turned into Zoomers. <laughs> we had, uh, uh, we had the, the companies that all of a sudden saw the, the, the teammates, the coffee makers that have to approach them via Zoom. And um, we saw opportunities on the corporate side where, um, where those companies are going to have to create activities and, uh, and educational activities where, uh, where uh, very important, Tom, I think the education is going to become something that goes from children to adults. So a school trip is going to be schooling. What is a schooling? Learn and be together. So it's going to become very much a corporate thing where companies are going to find themselves generating and, and finding experiences and things that their teams can do. First, to remind them I'm still a team because they're sitting, God knows in how many desks are uh, everywhere. And second, to just, you know, it's such an interesting year when, when so many people lose their colleagues, uh, got new colleagues, got new structures that remind them who they are, it'll be fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Anna. I mean, I never thought this year I'd be having my Christmas party with Callaway um, today, um, of all days, you know, over Zoom. Um, but, you know, there are ways to kind of uh, make it fun and be creative. Um, so I'm looking forward to that today. But no, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, the collegiate, but keeping the sense of collegiate and team um, is really hard. And Alexis made a really interesting point um, on our first episode around how many businesses um, in all sectors were not prepared for the immediate um, demand on their infrastructure for, dig for digital. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, moving away from paper ticketing, QR codes, um, and, you know, uh, even the way that they were taking bookings. So, um, you know, I think uh, you're absolutely right. The trend, um, you know, of digital um, and doing things online uh, and virtual was 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 there. Um, but now it's kind of, you know, the new normal. It is. We keep mentioning Zoom, but we should probably throw in that other video brands are available. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and they are, they are. Is it, is it, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Google Hangouts. <laughs> it isn't just, um, sorry, Anna, go on. I said, it's so many new brands. And uh, do you know what? Not only new brands, I'm, I'm totally static uh, uh, and super happy. I love new, new toys. Uh, um, and uh, do you know all those um, 
new systems and how to work together and how to engage in the house parties and uh, and, and you know I just I actually got tomorrow a, a, a trade evening party with a lovely DJ and it's going to be a DJ oh, yeah. and, and there is a an alcoholic brand involved and uh, everybody's going to be drinking so it's almost like a, a that different parallel world was created and we all jump on that wagon and we miss the face-to-face and we kind of will find an area but we're all kind of on the wagon already I think I think as soon as we are allowed the opportunity opportunity to network, we're all going to jump on it. Oh, yeah. So obviously UK Inbound, hopefully are going ahead of the convention next year. That will probably be the first. But even if doors can open prior to that, don't know about you guys, but yeah, we'll be straight into the bar, won't we, Anna? At Sophie's, <laughs> Sophie's in Soho. All business, of course. I'm not even going to lie. I'll be the first one in the queue with a tent. <laughs> I think we'll all be expecting you there. I'll meet you there, Anna. I'll, I'll meet you there. But it isn't just our colleagues and adults affected by the closed doors, is it? Like so many school kids missed out on their outdoor trips this year too. And now we're being told that these kids are suffering in terms of personal and social development. And there are concerns around health and, you know, nature deficit disorder. Um, like Tom, whilst we have you with us, I'd be really interested to hear what your thoughts are on this and what we can do, our listeners or, you know, the travel trade industry, what can we do to help? I've seen quite a few campaigns going on, like Save Outdoor Ed by Yandel Media, for example. Um, can you give us more insights into that and what we can be doing to help? Yeah, absolutely. And because like you said, school trips are so much more than the educational side of it, the educational experience. I created the school trip community because I believe that every child should have access to incredible learning. And one of the best ways to do that is in-person school trips. Mm-hmm. But the, it's so much more than the subject you learn, but the, the social development, the you know, it's experiences with your friends. If you all think back to, and you know, your listeners think back to the school trips that they had as a kid, Everyone can remember, perhaps it was a residential trip, perhaps it was a local museum, but it's having fun in that moment that millions of children across the country are no longer experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's the heartbreaking thing of it, that you know, and with campaigns like Save Outdoor Ed, it's this, it's when you imagine if they didn't exist anymore, that if residential overnight school trips didn't exist, again, it's, it's not just that they're missing out on, I don't know, doing a bit of, PE at some activity centre because it's so much more than that that you know, it's experiences that they never would have had. I remember when I was in year seven, I think it was, and I went to a place called Calshot near Southampton, and it was this incredible week. It was probably one of the first times I'd been away from my parents as well, and it's this amazing moment. You know, you're doing all these activities, you're jumping from I think it was like some ten meter jump. You had to do on some harness. We did whitewater rafting and and all that and and all that's now gone or kind of it's not there um what's been brilliant though is through lockdown and it almost happened straight away which was fantastic is so many arts and cultural venues really stepped up to the challenge so museums galleries attractions theaters no matter their size created a host of new resources uh, worksheets educational videos that schools and families importantly could use for home learning And then that extended further in September, where so many created virtual school trips. So virtual tours, online exhibitions. We've had 
loads of theatres do uh, live performances. We had the whole uh, NT at Home season from the National Theatre, as well as Bristol Old Vic, just the Festival Theatre, um, all of them did something. And, and now there's so many virtual classrooms, virtual sessions that people are doing as well. So I think my main advice or kind of you know, thing that venues could do is whatever you've got, no matter how small almost, if you can create something that can help a teacher right now, do it because that teacher will remember it. If you are a, let's say a historical venue and you can create something that helps a secondary history teacher right now or in January, they will absolutely love it, cherish it. And when they can do a history school trip, maybe it's February, maybe it's Easter or beyond, you're going to be high up on that list because you've helped them in their difficult time. I think that's a really interesting point, Tom, about, um, you know, kind of looking back at your personal memories, because when you said that I immediately uh, went in my head to the Iron Bridge Gorge Museum, um, which takes you back in time to Victorian England and, you know, remembering to how I learned to make paper um, and see how, you know, uh, coal was made and all that sort of stuff. But you're right, it's it's the fun aspect of learning. Um, and there are so many, you know, destinations like Kadzania who were kind of founded um, on making that possible. But also, as you say, some really innovative destinations like, you know, Tower Bridge, um, museums, um, and there's a client, you know, that we've got, which is a tech community. Um, so you'd wonder how could that work, but they're gonna be doing STEM, uh, school trips for kids um, across London so you're absolutely right it's about really thinking outside the box um, and seeing how you know it can be done safely but it can done, be done in a way that really complements what's going on in the classroom. I quite That's like hard. this discussion. I, like I just how... say Tom I absolutely love what you're doing and I absolutely love what you're saying sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much I'm right back at you <laughs> I absolutely love the uh, experience that you've created as well. Oh, you guys. I like this, this discussion on throwbacks to our school trips. I remember going to Hampton Court Palace and I think I dressed as Anne Boleyn. I was definitely one of the six wives, um, but they really stand out, like you say, and outdoor activities contribute to one's mental health, one's social development and well-being. And, you know, this generation haven't had a school trip in the UK since March. I just pray that by next March, by next spring, they'll be back. So these virtual classes are absolutely fantastic, as you say, and that they'll be at the forefront of these teachers' minds when they do go back to person. I just pray for the kids that they're going to go back to person soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so thinking then a bit about sales and trends and bouncing back to you, Anna, you know, with what you're seeing um, through Imagine Experiences um, and other projects you're, you're working on, you know, what would you say are your predictions for experiences um, and other venues um, in 2021? And, you know, are you starting to see those green sheets of bookings coming back again? You know, it's a very interesting. I saw the figures that were released, um, the Visit Britain figures that were released on the AGM of UK inbound last week. And remarkably um, interesting, they are very, very different than the figures released by Visit England a few days before. Um, I very much like better the Visit England one, ones. I'm not sure, I, I'm actually on the quest to trying to, um, I saw in the beautiful uh, Emma's ticket post on social media that she posts those figures. And I was trying to upload the Visit England ones to actually query the difference. We're looking at 10 million 
visitors different from one to another on 2020, sorry, 2021. I very much agree with the Visit England one. Uh, once they come from the International Passenger Survey and they predicted 26.4 million visitors on 2021. What I believe is very interesting is that apparently 52% of all the breeds that were planning or were traditionally took a trip abroad, whether you know your San Francisco's, your Thailand's, your New York's, your Orlando's, are going to now stay here longer. If they're going away, they're going to take a week in Europe and they're going to remain there next to the time here doing days out, engaging in different activities. So I'm not sure if that's, that's it's what makes the difference on the figures, but there is a great deal of opportunity for us at, um, at all levels. We saw already a really healthy bunch of bookings for Christmas, especially Black Friday. <clears throat> it went really nice until uh, uh, Boris put us back into lockdown and tears, tears one. It's not tears of a, of a T-I-E, it's tears, tears of crying, tier one, tier two, tier three, four, five, and 15. Um, and uh, then we see, we start now seeing a lot of people are actually calling and inquiring, something that we didn't have before. And they want bookings for February and March. So we're getting a lot of bookings now for February and March, which is quite exciting. And um, they're very locals. They, they are really, we are concentrating on those guys, I'll call it the around name 25, very much a great deal of, of a demographic. All ages, a lot of people inquiring on behalf of their families. Uh, we, we've seen it, the bookings coming very tribal. I do believe from the 1st of March, we're gonna see a really nice peak. For those who managed to adapt tweak and make themselves available for the locals and what the locals want and those ones that believe that when the uh, regionals, I call the regionals, the French and the Germans and the Spanish will come back, they won't be the same people that we had before. They are the new traveler, regardless where he's born, he's a new traveler, a person that was at home, that had time to think, that had time to zoom, same as us. Um, it'll be a great opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm usually not optimistic person. I, I really am the one that, you know, take the stats down. But I think 2021 going to see a really, really healthy recover. And yes, the media said that it will take three, four years before we get to the, the figures that we had in 2019. But if you take 2019, 47.9 visitors million versus 26, of course, it's a massive decrease. But guess what? We calculate in terms of forecast and we only need 0.044% that to actually make a good one. Sorry to drop so many figures. Um, it's, uh, I just think it's going to be, 2021 is going to be a fantastic uh, curve of recovery. And the way the same for schools, uh, teachers can desperately jump into that. Uh, and we had a lot of inquiries from France, by the way, um, Tom. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, and sorry to drop more figures, but uh, just to clarify, the stats that you're talking about, Anna, from Visit Britain, show a forecast of 16.9 million international visitors coming to the UK next year. So it's a big rise from this year, obviously, but it's still a humongous drop from the year before, where we saw over 40 million visitors. So very slow recovery, but at least we're using the word recovery 
so we're on the right trajectory. And you also mentioned about the deficit between Visit Britain and Visit England. But I think that um, is kind of good news selfishly for us living in England because the deficit is because of the spread, including Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, which is, is promising for, for the venues and experiences in England, albeit not for Britain as a whole. Interesting, Emma, that's exactly the, the discrepancy I was saying. The Visit Britain said 16 point something, correct? 16.9 million, yes. Yeah, the Visit England said 26.4. Exactly. And I'm wondering what the difference comes from. I think the deficit is because Visit Britain is obviously including Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and England. So the average is lower than Visit England, where it's talk about the visitors just directly to us, England as a country. So it's more promising for English venues and experiences. And uh, um, as well, uh, Katie, I've been having a few conversations with uh, French operators. Oh, yeah. And uh, Belgium operators um, who are at the same time reinventing themselves. Uh, um, we are the venues and we are the, the you know, the grand handlers that deliver those experiences in uh, uh, England, in the UK but they, they have to market them to their, their consumers and understand their sentiments and the new. And it, the experiential, uh, more uh, um, um, smaller groups, more personal, more customized, yeah. more social media curation, it is the trend. And a lot of them are fantastically adapting to the new trend. So those that manage to do that are going to be coming back much sooner. So that's great news as well. Yeah, I, th I think it's this kind of, you know, constant need, which is tiresome of innovation and changing, you know, whether it be pubs having to switch back to different rulings of 48 hours notice through to how, you know, group <coughs> and solo bookings can happen. It's exhausting. Um, but I think, you know, that's what this sector has learned to do very well um, is, you know, kind of come back stronger um, every single time. And I think a lot of other sectors, you know, could really learn um, a lot from how that's been approached. Yeah, yeah, could, could, could not agree more. And uh, do you know what, it might put me back into the seat of the old bad, but having done a um, foot and mouth, 7th of July, September 11th, I think We'll be back and we'll be back usually. We'll always come back stronger. Yeah, we are a resilient industry, aren't we? We are indeed. Um, so, Tom, it, look, looking to you for a moment then, are you working with any um, new or interesting partners across the school and travel sector to, you know, create um, strategies or plans to restart school trips um, called ugh, tongue twister school trips? Um, and if so, kind of, can you give us any insight on who you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So working with um, and having, I guess, constant conversations with venues across the country um, from your you know, almost locally funded museums through to your massive players. Um, and it's really interesting with all of them. And I guess it's like everything when you said about pubs just then, but every part of the economy, it's just the confusion. Every single venue obviously wants to open tomorrow. And technically speaking, under the uh, Department of Education guidelines, school trips can go ahead. Uh, there's, there's nothing saying that they can't happen as long as they are day trips, not overnight and obviously not abroad. But for many schools, you know, it's just been announced yesterday that secondary schools are going to be um, close to the first week of January, perhaps, or most secondary schools are. Mm -hmm. So obviously teachers are now thinking of that. And it's this constant 
battle of guidelines versus wanting to do something that's the problem um the venues i am working with uh we've got um i mean some brilliant examples of turner contemporary um the art gallery in margate oh wow from a well-being aspect and um, like you said um emma is they they thought really you know what can we offer what can we offer our our local schools that usually visit us but also wider afield and they created these wonderful uh, videos of well-being, uh, creative mindfulness. So creative mindfulness that um, if you're not familiar is it's almost a form of meditation, but through an action. So the analogy usually is, you know, we've all watched a film or cooked a dinner or I don't know, done a puzzle and hours have just gone by. We haven't really noticed. And that in itself is an element of creative mindfulness. And it's, it's using this within the classroom. Um, and again, it's a brilliant way to engage because mental well-being and mental health is a huge thing that um, schools are concentrating on at the moment. You've got places like National Museums Liverpool, who we're working with to promote their new virtual classrooms, which are their usual workshops on six different topics, now um, done in a virtual way. And again, anything to do with the pandemic, I hate to say is a good thing, because of course it's not, but almost a silver lining is these virtual classrooms are reaching all schools across the country. And what's brilliant about that is, you know, National Museums Liverpool, yes, of course, national in the title, but their schools that would have visited are Sheffield, Manchester, Liverpool, kind of local schools. There's no reason why a school in London, Bristol, Cornwall, whatever it may be, can now access them. And then from a an in-person school trips and kind of the next step and, and looking forward to, to what will be, working with up at the O2, um, brilliant because they're an, an outside venue, so straight away it makes it a lot easier. But working with them to to find ways um to really promote their offering but in the most simple easy way to understand for teachers as possible mm -hmm. so at the moment we're working directly with teachers um across the board and across the country to really find out almost like a checklist of, of what do they need what do they need to know to book a school trip and it's the obvious ones you know, need to know what it's about they need to know where it is how much it costs but more than that, they, they need to know, obviously, this COVID secure things. They need to know uh, the risk assessments, insurance policies. Are they going to have to wear masks? Are they not? Um, what's the bubble situation? Is there coach parking? What are the guidelines for or the kind of the offering for children with special educational needs? And all this thing we're creating um, is a working title, but a ready when you are checklist. And really, it's an audit of the marketing of the websites. So going through a venue's um, website and looking at literally from a teacher's uh, point of view saying, okay, I want to book a trip to X. Does this website have everything I need? And working with teachers to find out that, making it um, accessible to venues. And sometimes it's just little shifts. Um, I've heard venues, oh, sorry, I've heard teachers say, oh, I looked on this venue's website and this is a big venue. Um, I couldn't find their subject links and curriculum links. When then speaking to the venue, they said, oh yeah, it's on this page here. But actually that page was about five clicks away from the actual school's page. It needs to be front and center. You know, teachers before the pandemic, as we all know, are busy enough people as it is, let alone now. And if you can't find information, probably within two, three minutes, they, they will just turn off and go somewhere else. Um, it's working with that really um, and it's also working with partners like uh, the council for learning outside the classroom so working closely with them to 
promotes their badge and their badge offering, which has always been a brilliant accreditation mark for venues to show how educational they are. Um, but now there is that extra element, almost like the good to go tick, this uh, Council of Learning Outside the Classroom badge accredits that they are a COVID secure venue as well, or that they have done the steps in order to make it um, safe for schools to come again. And, and that of course is so important. It, you know, it is a badge that every venue can apply for and there's a bit of paperwork, but it's definitely worth it <coughs> for everyone that wants, um, that wants school trips next year. Yeah, I think one of the, following... oh, sorry. No, sorry, Katie, you. <laughs> no, I was going to okay. say one of the lovely things that you've just said, Tom, which, you know, if there can be silver linings to the situation, it's that schools have um, been able to tap into a broader set of um, outdoor experiences for their pupils than they would have before because of, you know, geographical restraints. As you've just said, you know, journey time and coaches, et cetera, they wouldn't travel more than... They, they were before so to have more options is great and I I would hope that you know many destinations you know museums galleries you know the ones that you've mentioned will continue to have an element of a virtual learning learning program as well as the in-person when things start to settle again because you know it's, it's wonderful to hear so many lovely examples of where actually you know there's almost uh, more choice than perhaps there was before would you say that's fair yeah absolutely and it's not just choice but the accessibility of that choice um again one of my big things is to make arts and culture as accessible but also as easily accessed as possible to schools that for many schools school trips of course are integral and you know pretty much every school across the country will do multiple trips a year but it's really about making that accessible to the teacher um providing them with everything they need to know providing them with all the curriculum links and then the ways to really bring that back to the classroom as well. So all the education packs, the, the schemes of work that can go alongside it, they all existed before. And you know, previously where I've worked um, with you, Emma, on, on Body Worlds and all that amazing resources that you had. But it's about, you know, as you know, the before, during and after of that school trip to really link it to the curriculum and, and really make it worthwhile. Yeah, that's paramount, linking it to the national curriculum and making it as easy as possible for the teachers so they can just turn up and everything else is done for them. You've um, mentioned some brilliant resources there. So I think once we publish this episode, it'd be great to include the checklist and also how people can apply for the badge of learning outside the classroom. Because I know from personal experience, as you say, that gives great accreditation. So let's share that with people, if that's okay with you, Tom. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. You also mentioned about schools closing on the first week of January. And I know Sadiq Khan is a bit of a campaigner for keeping schools closed and move classes back to online. But what's your opinion on this, Tom, in the new year? Because I personally understand the concerns about kids getting in close contact with elderly relatives, but haven't kids missed out on enough lessons? and not just lessons, but the socialization aspect of it that we were talking about earlier. I mean, you're, you're so right. And it, it's that constant juggle, isn't it, with everything that, you know, in one sense, I would say absolutely schools should be shut. That's my kind of line in one sense, and especially this week. Schools should have shut last Friday in order to give that gap um, before Christmas and before we you know, do our Christmas mingling with everyone. But on the flip side of that, of course, there are so many kids with key worker parents that would still have to be in school anyway. There are so many um, kids where 
there perhaps might be, you know, let's say two kids and, and the two parents, they're working from home, but there's only one iPad, one laptop between the whole family. So online learning isn't really as accessible as what it's almost seemed to be. Um, and schools have done a incredible incredible job of bringing learning online whether it's through things like zoom microsoft teams google classroom they've moved everything as much as they can but yes there is nothing better of course than an in-school face-to-face learning and it's not just again the learning it almost goes back to the school trips idea that a school probably when you're learning maths literacy etc it's such a small part of it almost is it's a you know, massive part of the school day and is what you're there for but again it's it's being around your friends it's playing in the playground it's is learning how to share it's learning conflict resolution it's all those kind of stuff that you know, for your mental well-being for um social development of these kids we've got kids across the country and it's almost on every level but you've got primary school um kids that yes they missed three months of school but they've gone back two years in reading and it's no fault of their own, no fault of their parents, because if their parents were key workers and they had to be out, then of course they couldn't um, say read to the kid every day or, you know, likewise with GCSE students, A-level students, we had the massive exams fiasco and God knows what's going to happen <laughs> next July and, and all the guidelines around that, but kids need to be in school, but equally we need to stop this thing and as much as we can to curb the rise in infections, uh, kids generally, I mean, I'm no scientist, but as far as I believe kids are very quite often asymptomatic, which then makes it almost worse. Um, and why secondary schools especially are really concerned about it and why secondary, most secondary schools um, are going to be closed or do some form of online learning for that first week. But while they can then implement a mass testing program. So um, some boroughs across the country are also in a trial where teachers have been given a, a COVID test um, for them to do the so 28th, 29th or 30th of uh, January to be back in time. So the school can know, is that teacher um, positive or negative and make it more secure that way. And that's across primary and secondary. And yeah, the, the, the more we can get things like that going and um, the more we can get that mass testing, the better, because the bubbles at the moment are brilliant. And again, this is nothing against any teachers because they are mm. flat out working as much as they can and the best of their ability. But with conflicting guidelines often between even the local authority and Department of Education, as we saw with Greenwich this week, um, with Greenwich saying schools should be closed and then Department of Education saying absolutely not, um, teachers are confused and they, they try to do their best they try to do the best within their bubbles but these bubbles sometimes if you've got a three form entry school which is three classes within each year group sometimes that whole year group is a bubble that might be what 90 kids plus adults plus teaching assistants plus support and your bubbles are huge so if one kid gets a positive um, test or one adult gets a positive test that whole bubble shuts uh, for 10 days now um, so it's, it's difficult. <laughs> it's almost the sum up, but it, it's just that constant juggle, isn't it? And I don't know, Anna or anyone else, what you think of it, but it's that constant, yeah, juggling between what, what we can do and, and what we can't really. 
I, I, I agree with you. And uh, I've got, I live in a street with, uh, I don't have kids of my own, but I've got nephews and I got uh, his frustration about JSC was terrible. And it was only that. I can still remember his tears telling me I won't have a prom. All he wanted was his prom. It was that memory that will stay forever. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I can't remember my prom forever. It was just that sense, that sense of I'm going to be a lady for a night. Sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, and <clears throat> you're saying the school trips and those guys are losing memories that they won't come back. Uh, uh, opportunities that, yeah, it might happen, you know, but it, it's just not going to be the same. And uh, my neighbors, they got four kids and there is only one computer and one iPad and the fight and and the mother have to go on and do all the stuff and it's difficult it's very very difficult and uh, the time that they need allocated for the homework and uh, it's a lot of time from the parents um to be given it's just it's just a struggle absolutely I well, go on katie sorry there you go no, I was literally just going to have a joke to say, I remember my prom quite well. I was literally the only girl in the classroom that didn't have a boyfriend, so I had to take my brother as my date. <laughs> well, we, and we were obviously both... Emma, I think uh, your brother went with you. My brother stood me up. Your brother stood you up! <laughs> at least I had a day. A little bit of an incestuous day, but at least I had one, you're right. <laughs> he, did, he did say, I told you yes, but now there is the other girl that want to go with me. So, you know, you understand, I said, that's fine. Oh, he had to prioritize the girlfriend. I concentrate on the outfit. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put all my efforts on the dress. Well, so just to um, kind of wrap up our last question, and thank you so much for such a rich um, and kind of deep um, discussion today. Um, we could talk for hours on this um, and perhaps we'll revisit this in 2021. But um, Tom, coming to you first, what would be your two or three top tips for venues and experiences in 2021? Uh, I think a, a one tip of almost positivity is the market is still the same in terms of the wants to do something, but the guidelines are stopping it. So when I've been speaking to teachers and again, across primary, secondary, no matter the subject, everyone is desperate to do a school trip. Everyone can't wait until they can go into that theater, museum, gallery attraction, and again, whether it's January, Easter, beyond. So the, the appetite for those trips is still there. And that almost leads to the second one of as much as we can engage with those teachers at the moment. So like I said, with any resources that are available that you know, might be on the website currently, but just promoting them more um, do, because this is a chance where, again, like Anna was saying, this is time. This is time when you can build a newsletter audience. This is time when you can build leads for the future, relationships for the future. So when things do go back to normal, you're not starting from ground zero again, you're starting from, you know, even if it's 10 schools, 100 schools in your local area, it's something and it's brilliant, it's a great step. Um, and, and finally, it's, it, you know, it is that kind of checklist thing, but it's, it's just being as accessible as possible to, to teachers, to families and promoting the incredible experiences that these places have. And again, no matter the size of the venue, no matter what is on offer, everyone has got that unique selling point. Everyone's got that one artifact, one moment, one whatever it may be that they can share with families, with schools. And it's about highlighting that. It's about saying, we can't wait until you're here. In the meantime, 
here's all that you're kind of missing is a bit of a FOMO thing. Yeah. But yeah, we're here when you are. We're, we're ready when you are. And and it's all about that. And I mean, we obviously all hope that 2021 is very different to 2020. Uh, but the first bit of the year may be rocky as we get vaccines and all that. Um, but it's about keeping the spirits up and it's about you. Know, the appetite is there. Everyone wants to do something and we can still engage. This is not a time to shut up shop as much as we can. This is still a time to promote your amazing offering and everyone will return when they can. And Anna, flicking to you, what are your top two or three tips to close off our episode today? So 150% agree with Tom. Let's start with that. And I would say do not take anything for granted. <laughs> um, it's about the half, the glass half full or half empty. I think we are very, uh, and some elements or some, some individuals in the industry are very focused on what we used to have or we don't. Looked on everything we had, there is an enormous amount of talent out there that it's available. There is a, there is the new flip from uh, being a pay AYEE, I can be a freelancer, I can do things that can contribute. Uh, don't give me a job description, use me the best I can, look at all I can give. Um, there is a new business landscape, it's almost like somebody pressed a button and said, we said digital. Um, the masters of the world of digital and those big names that used to put six figures on a Google PPC are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. The world is out there. The jungle is even. That's what I love about COVID. It gives us all the opportunity. And uh, what I found that is really amazing, and back to what Tom was saying, is working is a, working is a, you know, I've seen communities, small businesses working with schools, the schools working with people. It's almost like people are taking a step back and learning what they used to do when we didn't have all that digital by using it better. Yeah. Uh, don't take anything for granted. Review your products, review your offering, look what you can offer, mold, adapt, improve. Looked at the hundreds of human beings that are sitting at home bronzing days out because they don't need to be in an office um, that are going to plan their life with much more care. Uh, look at the prices, look at the offering, engage with the smaller ones, work with the people you go around. Make the most, there's a lot to be, a lot to be made the most of. Don't think about everything you had and you didn't. Think about everything you now have you didn't have before. So that, I think, I think is the message, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much, Tom and Anna, for joining us on our third episode. Um, and I think there's so much food for thought here. I wouldn't be surprised if we invite you back for a part two. Um, but Merry Christmas to you both. Um, and we'll see you in 2021. Thank you Merry so much. Merry Christmas. Bye. 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 Bye